Upland Software provides modern, secure fact solutions for businesses of all sizes. It drives content for intelligent processing and digital transformation worldwide, helping solve real-world business problems by providing enterprise software for getting things done. Upland offers cloud, hybrid, and on-premises fact solutions that integrate fact transmissions into business processes by utilizing machine learning technology to process and extract content. Didn't know fax was still a thing? Have we got news for you. The demand for secure, user-friendly fax has skyrocketed for industries such as healthcare and financial services because users need trusted technology that safeguards sensitive information while supporting digital document workflows. Upland is ready to show you fax in action. Cloudcast listeners can try one month of Upland Cloud Fax for free and enter to win a wireless Bluetooth speaker by visiting info uplandsoftware.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. April is upon us. Uh, first quarter of the year is done. And uh, another Sunday perspective. Good to be with everybody. And want to talk about, uh, I, I guess, sort of something, I guess we call this sort of hygiene, sort of uh, something to something to watch out for. But uh, a couple of things caught my eye this week, a couple of stories that, uh, you know, they, again, always looking for through lines on the Sunday perspective. And uh, a couple of things caught our eye and they had to do with with the expectations of free, uh, free as in beer, free as in puppies, and free as in lunches, or you know, no free lunches. Um, saw a couple of things happen this week. Uh, you know, the one that got probably the most headlines was um, you know a story about Docker and Docker making some changes to how they offered repositories on Docker Hub. Uh, they were moving away from that being free. Uh, we also saw a story, uh, kind of a dispute between a company called Minio and a company called Weka, who both were trying to utilize. Uh, Minio uh, provides some some open source software technology, uh, storage technology, excuse me, and uh, Weka uh, had embedded some of that, and uh, Minio took took issue with how they were using it, uh, how they were marketing it, pulled their license, and then we, you know, I, I had a, a conversation with uh, with somebody uh, with a company recently, um, you know, doing some just uh, conversational stuff. Uh, folks reaching out for expertise, and and you know they were talking about how they were planning to to make some changes to their licensing and how that was going to have an impact on possibly their customers, possibly their partners. And so I thought what I'd talk about today as we dive into this, and we'll get to it after the break, is uh, you know kind of the expectations of free, especially as open source technology gets vendored or is driven by vendors. Um, and probably more importantly, because of the changes we've seen in the economy, um, the expectations of those VCs who have funded these companies that are primarily based on open source, I think we're beginning to see um, some shorter fuses, some shorter time frames, some faster expectations are growing. And so what I thought I talked about after the break is kind of the through line between those couple of things that we talked about, um, both in terms of vendor things that are changing in the free world and the open source world and, and user expectations around those things and uh, maybe some, some eye-opening things for people to, to be aware of. So we'll dig into that right after the break. 
Datadog is a SaaS cloud monitoring and security platform that enables full-stack observability for modern infrastructure and applications at any scale, providing teams dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, infrastructure monitoring, UX monitoring, security monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform, plus 450-plus out-of-the-box integrations with technologies including cloud providers, databases, and web servers. Aggregate all your data into one platform for seamless correlation, enabling teams to troubleshoot and collaborate together in one place, preventing downtime and enhancing performance and reliability. Get started with a free 14-day trial by visiting datadog.com slash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the latest trends in enterprise tech? Look no further than the Breaking Analysis Podcast with Dave Vellante. This data-driven program dives into the most important topics facing the enterprise tech industry today. With a data-first approach that leverages ETR's renowned surveys of IT decision makers and insight from the Cube community, Breaking Analysis delivers in-depth research on the most important topics facing technologists and IT buyers. Whether you're a business leader, an IT professional, investor, or just an avid follower of the industry, this podcast is a must-listen. Just search Breaking Analysis Podcast wherever you get your podcast and tune in today to stay ahead of the game in enterprise tech. And we're back. And uh, this one is not going to run very, very long because I am recording this just before uh, going on uh, spring break with my kids. I'm trying to not give you a short change show, not to give you a a rushed show, but, uh, uh, you know, I do have some things to get packed before uh, heading out and uh, uh, going and doing some things. But, um, you know, for today's Sunday perspective, I kind of want to dive into a couple of things that uh, that caught my eye in terms of news stories, but these aren't really unique news stories. They're stories that we've seen over and over again. Um, but I think, again, you know, this theme that we've seen over the last year or so or the last six months or so is a lot of things that we've never really seen before. I shouldn't say we've never seen before. We haven't seen for the last five, six, seven years, decade or so, uh, where we've had cheap money. We've had tons of VC funding uh, flowing into the industry, flowing across the industry. Um, and a lot of segments of the industry uh, are now beginning to make open source software kind of the default, the de facto um, you know, core technology, business model, development model, um, whereas before maybe it was proprietary. And, and you really had a very clear expectation of you know what your relationship was with the company that was delivering the technology to you. So whether it was a an Oracle or a VMware or a Microsoft or a Cisco or you know any of the hundreds of companies who you know have built what are you know what is you know, proprietary technology, single vendor technology with closed licensing, um, no ability to change the licensing without the vendor driving it. But as we've seen more and more with open source. Um, you know, some things happen, right? So first and foremost, uh, we're huge fans of open source software, open source communities. Uh, on the podcast, we have been for, you know, as long as the podcast has run, we've been very lucky to be involved with a lot of different communities. Uh, we've had a chance to work with a lot of people who contribute to communities and are passionate about it. Um, so th- this is in no way should be perceived as sort of a knock on on open source and open source communities. I think that development model has, uh, you know, proven itself to be very successful um, in terms of bringing people together to develop software, to collaborate together. Now, the flip side of that is it oftentimes is perceived to be a business model, that open source is not only a development model, but it's a business model. And this is where oftentimes the mistakes start to happen or the perceptions are wrong and people can oftentimes get burned. So let's take the case of let's take the case of Docker. And 
Um, you know, Docker is a company that we've covered many, many times in the show. Uh, we've done Sunday perspectives on sort of a historical lookbacks on Docker. Um, there are a number of good articles that have been written about Docker over the years from, um, you know, going all the way back to 2015 when uh, Docker had spun out of what used to be called Dot Cloud. Um, took a ton of funding, took you know several hundred thousand dollars of, of VC funding, which maybe doesn't seem like as much nowadays, but it was a lot back in 2015. Um, you know, had big valuations, had been rumored to have a three billion dollar or so valuation. Um, never really had a, a big exit, uh, as was expected by a lot of people. They ended up having a small exit, um, selling off a chunk of their business to uh, to Marantis, and then really kind of reforming themselves as you know what people now are sort of calling Docker 2.0, but the current Docker uh, under Scott Johnson and the new team, and and that team in general is doing very very well. So you know, Docker was a a rocket ship. Uh, it ran through some struggles, um, but it's now kind of, you know, generally perceived to be kind of a, you know, a phoenix rising from the ashes. Will it become as big as former Docker, Docker 1.0, Solomon Hikes Docker? That's to be seen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. You know, it's a future projection, crystal ball kind of thing. But I think the thing that that people sort of forget is while Docker has become very, very important, um, you know, the new inclination, new, uh, new version of Docker, if you will, is trying very, very hard to run themselves as a, as a business, as a mature business. And one in which, um, you know, they are there for their customers, but they're also there for their shareholders and for their investors and, you know, not trying to necessarily go through the same, uh, roller coaster that they went through before. So it wasn't unusual, uh, you know, for them to make the announcement that they made last week or the week before, whenever you're listening to this show, you know, in essence, what they said was, you know, there is a tier of uh, Docker Hub, uh, their hosting of uh, Docker Hub, uh, hosting of projects um, that previously had been free, and they no longer were going to make that free. And there's some there's some details, and we'll put some things in the show notes to talk about. Um, you know, what somebody could do if they were currently hosting it as free. There were some transitional plans for them. But, um, you know, there was also some implications that, hey, you know, th- there is no longer a free lunch out of this. And obviously, you had a lot of people in the in the industry who were very frustrated, um, you know, open source projects who, uh, you know, were, I think Curl was one of the ones that somebody had mentioned, you know, had been running out of there and has downloaded thousands and thousands or millions of times. And lots of people are dependent upon it. Um, and and so people were frustrated and they were mad at Docker and Docker was being this greedy capitalist company. Well, you know, I think the thing that we have to remember in this is while people love Docker, maybe they don't love it as much as they did many years ago. Um, you know, they loved the idea of this technology that was free but at the same time, they also love this idea that they were part of this community, but it was also going to be part of this core company that was building something and, you know, needed to finance engineers to, to drive the project and to put on events like DockerCon and to, uh, you know, be hosting meetups and all sorts of things that cost money. And whether or not people cared about, you know, if Solomon Hikes got rich or became, you know, famous or whatever, you know, who cares? But there seems to be this disconnect of expectations of, well, you know, Docker makes software. Software at some point essentially becomes free because the, you know, uh, you know, marginal cost of the next download of software is essentially free. 
but they were also hosting this service. And, you know, maybe Docker needed to make this more clear to people. Um, you know, maybe they just assumed the world understood things. But they got into this weird situation in which they have this service, uh, Docker Hub, which probably of all the things in their business outside of maybe just employee cost is probably their number one or their number two cost because of hosting cost and bandwidth cost. And we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast, right? Like the cloud isn't free. Hosting costs isn't free. Networking's not free. Cloud services are not free. Um, and, you know, maybe they didn't make it clear enough to people of like, hey, these are our future intentions. But somewhere along the line, you know, um, maybe it's not explicitly stated, but at some point, if you're following Docker, you're somebody who's been following Docker, um, and unless you're brand new to the project, you have to have some awareness that there's a cost in their business. And if your assumption is the thing that you're getting for free will be free forever, but the, it's going to be an ongoing cost of their business, and you can't easily identify how they're paying for that, right? Like Docker wasn't monetizing it via advertising. They weren't monetizing it through, you know, so I've seen people on on Twitter and other places and Reddit and go, oh, well, they should have been mining data out of that resource and selling it to somebody. Well, if that wasn't obvious and, you know, you were dependent on Docker, there's a little bit of culpability on both sides here. Yes, could Docker have been better about communicating what they did? They eventually, um, you know, heard feedback from the community and said, well, okay, we changed our mind. We're not going to do this, at least for now. Um, But at the same time, if you're sitting there going, I am running a business or I'm running a project and the entity in which I'm dependent on has a known cost and that entity has stated look, we don't have as much sort of free, funny money as we did back in the day. And the meter is ticking on that known cost. Somewhere you have, you should be putting two and two together and going, do I want to be dependent on this thing? Because it's only a matter of time before at some point Docker again says, the cost of running Docker Hub is expensive. Um, You know, how expensive it is? Will they continue to grow to a point where, you know, that expense becomes really small? Maybe. But that's a maybe question. It's a maybe question that is potentially a core dependency on your business. And it's one of those things, and again, I'm not looking to, you know, kind of point blame on things, but I'm trying to point out that part of what a company like Docker, who is, you know, VC funded, potentially private equity funded, I don't know how all their funding is, but they're they're funded by somebody else's checkbook. And that somebody else wants a return on it in a reasonable period of time, they're going to be pushing companies like Docker and others, and we'll talk about some examples, to say, look, you have a bunch of spend that isn't giving you a return. It's simply uh, a continuation of a policy or a model that you had back when money was ridiculously cheap and we were throwing it at you like crazy because we thought you're going to be the next VMware or the next Microsoft. Well, nobody expects Docker to be the next Microsoft or the next VMware anymore. They're a nice company. You know, they are, you know, as many people hope, you know, will be a good business, a long-term sustainable business. But they're not in the business anymore of just funding the community for free because money isn't cheap anymore. And so, you know, I'm sure the reason this thing came along that they changed their model was, you know, the people that fund their business are saying, hey, let's look at the economics of running this business. 
Now, again, you know, you can, you can say, Hey, look, they, you know, they shouldn't have said certain things on their website or, you know, they shouldn't have made certain claims that these things are going to be free. But at the same time, you know, there's a little bit of this that if you are trying to run a business, if you are an adult in the software world, it's a little bit like, well, once you turn 18, your parents don't really have to pay for you anymore. So the freeness of your life is probably going to start going away. Now, it might happen when you're 19. It might happen on the day after you're 18. It might not happen until you're 26. But somewhere in there, you need to start taking accountability for, is that the weakest link in my business, in my offering? Because if it is, you probably need to start looking at alternatives. Maybe you look and move that to GitHub because maybe you can host it for free out of GitHub. And you go, well, GitHub is essentially part of Microsoft. Microsoft is a massively funded thing. The amount of costs that they're losing in hosting these free tiers is a really, really small rounding error in the Microsoft version of things. Maybe that's a better place, right? I'm not telling you where to run it, where to not run it. But again, there is culpability somewhat in actions, somewhat in maybe naive naivety, naive, you know, being naive. Um, and some of it is just having an understanding that the world today in 2023 is not the same as it was in 2022 or 2017 or 2015 because the economics have changed, right? There's this drumbeat that we've had over and over again. It feels like the last six months of shows that say, look, interest rates have gone up. VC funding has slowed down. The expectation of return has grown uh, enormously in just the last six months. And if you're not consciously thinking about what does that mean to you, what now it may not mean your payments went up, but somewhere there's going to be a downstream effect to you. Now, this through line of, you know, potentially being blindsided by a change to an open source cost or maybe an open source license, um, it's biting you the first time you need to be aware of it. If it hasn't bit you yet the first time, but you're seeing news about it, or you're listening to this podcast about it, start being aware of it because the other things that we're seeing in this, and I mentioned the, you know, the stuff with Minio and Weka, um, you know, that's a competitive thing, but at the same time, you know, it's also open source based companies, not open source business models, but companies whose business is based on open source technology you know, looking at their cost of stuff or looking at what they're putting out into the marketplace and the marketplace potentially misusing it, um, you know, and they're saying, again, their VCs or their, you know, their finance groups are saying, why are we, uh, you know, funding so many things that don't create a return? And when the cost of money is more, your willingness to do that becomes shorter, becomes less. And, you know, so again, I'm going to kind of, you know, beat on this drum. If you haven't been affected by this yet, and you look at the things that you're doing, the projects you're working on, a business that you're running, software that you're trying to sell, if it's dependent on stuff and you feel like you're like, well, I'm just taking advantage of the fact that I can get this thing for free and I'm taking advantage of somebody else's cost, but it is perceived to be free to you, be careful. This this entire show is a word of caution because I don't think this is going to be a one-time 
incident, whether it's Docker or Minio, or like I said, uh, you know, I took a consulting call this past week from somebody just looking for advice, but they were a company who said, hey, we're based on open source. Uh, we're going through a lot. We're going to go through a license change. And the reason for the license change was, um, you know, and this is another sort of red flag. Um, it's not a bad thing, but it's a red flag or at least a thing to be aware of. The way they explained it was they said, our software is too good. Our open source project is really good. It's really stable. Okay, well, that's one of the areas of open source in which you have to be sort of aware that people might try and change things. Because what happens is when the open source software, the project is really stable, but instead of having maybe like lots and lots of companies that are contributing to the project, potentially trying to commercialize it in various ways in which, you know, the stability is a good thing because then they can go and uh, build differentiation above and, you know, above and beyond the, the, the stable core base of it. In the case, if you have one vendor that dominates things and the project is really stable, in essence, the vendor is probably very much walking the line of, boy, I'm the single vendor and I'm putting all the engineering talent into it, but I'm also building it probably the QA talent and the QA resources as well. That sounds a lot, forget the licensing, like the quality that you expect out of proprietary software, right? Single vendor, mostly driven. Quality is very high. Uh, all of the costs are borne by that vendor. If you are dependent on a project like that, if you evaluate it that way, right? Um, there is a possibility, and maybe it's a high possibility, that at some point in the near future, if that vendor hasn't really figured out a great monetization model, they may start flipping licensing on you, especially open source licensing, towards some of these new open source licenses that make it easy for them to monetize it as opposed to you using it for free. So again, this entire show is not a bash on Docker. It's not a bash on Minio. It's not a bash on any of these sort of companies, right? It's a hopefully uh, a word of caution that if you start thinking about your dependencies and if your dependencies are open source, not just the project, but a vendor tied to the open source, that you're still getting things for free. And maybe you've been getting them for free for a number of years. Be aware because the new economic model that we're in, and we don't know how long this will take, this might just be the new normal you're going to see more and more of those companies say, hey, look, we would like to stay in business. We would like to continue to have a relationship with our customers, but we can't do that if every month we're losing more money than we're bringing in. You know, We're not able to fulfill the basic utility of a business in which we provide a good and service at a price that generates profit such that we can continue to run the business. And I think you're going to see more and more companies they're going to struggle with the communication of it. They will get it wrong. They will do sort of what Docker did and put something out there, maybe kind of randomly. They're going to get bashed in the news. They're going to get bashed in the press. And not all of them are going to do what Docker did and back down and change their mind, right? I'm not saying Docker did the right thing or the wrong thing. I'm not saying that you can predict that Docker won't do this again in the future or any other company in the situation of Docker or like Docker that might say, look, um, <laughs> we are trying to run a business. We want to have a business relationship with you. And yes, things have been free for a while, but that setting of free was based on a previous economic sort of world. <laughs> so anyways, 
my word of caution, just because we've seen a few instances of it this week, I think we'll probably end up seeing more in the coming months. Um, not any indication that the open source sort of world is blowing up. It's still super healthy. I mean, CNCF and KubeCon are going to have 10,000 people uh, at KubeCon in Amsterdam here in a few weeks. So the open source communities are very healthy, but the monetization of them and the way that those businesses are funded are different than they were six months ago and a year ago. And if you are dependent on those things, and this will be the last time I kind of beat this drum, just be careful. Start looking at how dependent you are on it, how dependent you are on that item being free, and you know what your world would look like if you started getting charged for that. And if you look at those sort of economics and you look at that calculus and you go, that would be disastrous for me, start figuring out a plan B. Think of it the same way that you do. Uh, think of you know uh, your dependency on free software that is you know tied to a vendor. Uh, the same way you think about disaster recovery, right, or high availability, because if you are entirely dependent on that one vendor and you're entirely dependent on that one vendor to be giving it to you for free, and that vendor has a cost or a significant cost tied to it, you are essentially doing the same thing. Uh, of saying, I have a service that I'm delivering that should be high availability, but I'm not willing to pay for high availability and I'm going to be mad when it goes down. So just think of it in in those terms, Um, just trying to give you a word of caution. Again, these things don't tend to happen sort of as purely isolated events. There's a reason why we're starting to see some of these things pop up and your initial reaction might be, those people are jerks. They change their policy. Well, they're entirely uh, entitled to do that. Um, you know, it's the the nature of open source. Not everything is going to be free forever, at least in terms of once you put a vendor involved with it. If it's open source, open source, and you're putting in your blood, sweat, and tears, and your time and your effort, then yeah, it's probably free as long as the project's healthy. But once the vendors get involved, the economics change, and it's just important that you keep your eyes open and be aware of what could happen. And again, hopefully uh, this doesn't come out and bite you. Hopefully it doesn't impact you in serious ways, but be aware of it. Keep your eyes open um, and, uh, you know, do, do the best you can with it. So with that, I'll let it go. Uh, not intended to, to bash on Docker. We're actually really excited to see how Docker is growing the business, changing their business, um, not trying to bash on Minio. Um, you know, they seem to have, you know, good reasoning and, you know, there's probably nuance in between there, but just, you know, Keep your eyes open, folks. Uh, anyways, with that, I'll wrap it up. Um, happy to have be into April. Spring is here, or at least for the most part, spring is here. The voice is getting a little bit better. The allergies are getting a little bit better. Um, we may have a couple more weeks of this uh, this sort of gravelly voice that we have, but it will. I promise it will get better. Uh, with that, thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the show. Uh, it was a great Q1 for us, maybe one of the best, maybe the, the, the best Q1 we've ever had in our history. Uh, Really excited. We've got shows booked out all the way through the end of May. We're already starting to book into June and July. So lots of cool things and lots of good things coming uh, for the Cloudcast in terms of hopefully great content for you. So with that, I'll wrap it up. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.